Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. On today's episode, we will be discussing Once Upon a Time, Season 1, Episode 20, The Stranger, written by Ian Goldberg and Andrew Chambliss, and directed by Gwyneth Hodor Payton. It premiered April 29th, 2012, and had a viewership of 9.2 million, which I know we're in the final stretch here, but once again, after a Rumpelstiltskin episode, the viewership goes up. Because it's Rumpel. I know. Everybody he, wants to see him. He, he brings the best character. He brings them in. Um, and he is the cause for yeah. this show happening. Technically, yeah. this story does not exist if he doesn't do what he did. You know, it's funny too. I was looking back or I was watching the bonus content on the Blu-ray and the first theater production that Robert Carlyle ever saw was a traveling theater doing the tale of Rumpelstiltskin. And he said there was a little girl that played Rumpelstiltskin. And he said she was so terrifying and creepy in the role that he still has nightmares about it sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, I wonder if he made that all, all up. But like, because sometimes actors do. Oh, that. man, but, that would be such a good story. If yeah, he made it but up. I, I really hope it's true. <laughs> like, anyway, diving into the synopsis for the episode. August promises to enlighten Emma and take her on a journey that'll show her how she can beat Regina and possibly take custody of Henry. And with Mary Margaret returning to work, Regina puts in plan a motion to seduce David. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, with the evil queen's curse about to strike, Geppetto agrees to a plan that will save Snow White and Prince Charming's daughter, but with a provision that could also save his son. And in the title card, we see Jiminy Cricket. So, going right into the episode, in Storybrooke, August Booth installs a lock on the door of Mary Margaret's apartment to keep Regina and her skeleton key out. Mary Margaret talks about resuming teaching, and Emma tells her that she is going to hire Mr. Gold to build a custody case against Regina. She says that she is prepared to be a mom. Henry calls her on the walkie-talkie to meet her at Granny's Diner. August catches up with her and tells her that she needs to look at the big picture. And he says that he will show her what she needs to beat Regina only if she comes with him, but she refuses and keeps walking. Henry notices that there is a new story in the book that is not finished. He says that the story is about Pinocchio and maybe there's some more to it. And Emma suggests that he gets to school. So I have a few notes here. Mary Margaret saying, do you know what happens if you win? And Emma saying, yeah. And Mary Margaret says, you're ready to be his mom. And Emma saying, yeah. And then Henry saying, the story is about Pinocchio. Everyone knows how that ends. Maybe there's more to it. And finally, the complicated wooden lock August installs on Mary Margaret's door hints to his story of the woodworking skills he learned as, well, we'll discuss soon. Yes, we will. So I have two notes and they come from the Once Upon a Time book. So it doesn't really change too much, but August does go with her to meet Henry 
at Granny's and like nothing really happens about the story. Like August makes like a clip or two, but it's not like anything crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, but as Emma's walking him to school, Henry insists that August must be Pinocchio and that he, he says his leg must be turning back to wood oh. because he's clearly older than Emma. And, and Emma's just like, oh yeah, he has a couple of gray streaks. Like that's Emma's response. Well, well, we, we briefly discussed uh, August's age in the last episode, or at least alluded to his age. Yeah. I think, I think he's supposed to be 10 years older than Emma. Like he's... Eight years older, if I remember, because I okay. was thinking about it. I was like, no, he's like eight. So if Emma's like 28, that mm, puts him... He's 36. At, yeah. 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 You know, that... Uh, speaking, as, speaking as a man in his uh, early 30s, young 30s, we'll say, Um definitely not approaching mid-30s. I also have some gray streaks in my hair, so it's not unheard of. In the enchanted forest, Pinocchio and Geppetto are out on a raft in the sea. They're trying to escape the whale, Monstro. Geppetto wants Pinocchio to take the life jacket and save himself, but he refuses and jumps off. Since he is made of wood, he will float. Geppetto screams out for him just as Monstro appears behind the raft. Geppetto wakes up on a beach and calls out for Pinocchio, stating that his son has saved him. He sees Pinocchio lying in the water, but he has returned to an inanimate wooden state. The blue fairy shows up and says that she can save him. She turns him into a real boy, much to Geppetto's delight. Pinocchio exclaims that he has become a real boy, and they thank the blue fairy. She tells him to remember to remain brave, truthful, and unselfish. And if he does that, he will always remain a real boy. And I have here Geppetto's line, I wish I could save you, my boy. And then the blue fairy shows up. Like he used the word, I, or he used the words, I wish. Yeah. Also, again, we're requiring a lot out of our children in this series. Like, yes, you must be brave, honest, and true no matter what you do. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, he is like eight. Yeah, and it, 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 a lot's put on Pinocchio's shoulders in this episode. It's interesting, too, because we briefly discussed how there's no magic in this world, but something is turning August's limbs back to wood, as we'll discuss right now. August is sitting at his desk, admiring a hat that resembles the one Pinocchio wore. He calls Mr. Gold, saying that they need to meet, as there is a problem with Emma. August then starts having issues with his leg and sits down. He pulls up his pants and reveals a wooden leg. And I put in the note, was the creaking wood the door in August's room that he was opening or was it August himself? I'm going to guess the door, but you know what? You're right. Like, how is he turning to wood? But he does suspect that's just from Emma showing up and getting things going. Yeah. Yeah. Being her own kind of brand of magic tied to him in a way that. But I mean, like there has to be just a a morsel of magic in our world that to be you know turning august back to wood yeah i i really don't think he should be turning to wood at this point but i feel like it 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 would it gives the story the push it needs it would be it would be better and this was probably how they would explain it huh would this is probably how they would explain it if they needed to but like they would say rigor mortis is taking over parts of his body rather than just saying, like, he's just stiff and he can't move it and everything, rather than saying that he's actually turning into wood. Mary Margaret is outside when Regina comes up to her. 
She confronts Regina about framing her for Catherine's disappearance. Regina insists that it was Sydney who confessed. Mary Margaret is unconvinced, but says that she forgives Regina, even if she can't admit what she did. She thinks Regina must be very lonely if her joy comes from destroying the happiness of others. She says that doing this will not bring her happiness, but will only leave a giant hole in her heart. Henry shows up and Regina gives him his lunch and brings up the subject of him transferring out of Mary Margaret's class, which he refuses to do. Henry accuses her of framing Mary Margaret and of being the evil queen. And despite Regina repeating that these stories are not real, Henry insists that Snow White will live happily ever after. And I have here the look on Regina's face when Mary Margaret forgives her. It is pure disgust and hatred. Of course it is. Yeah, of course. And Henry has a Tron legacy lunchbox. And the show creators, Adam Horowitz and Edward Kissis, wrote the script for that film. So my only note is, in the book, Henry shows up here with Emma. Like, they do get all the way there together. And then he realizes he forgot his lunch, so he calls Regina to Uh, ask her to come. Okay. Just a little bit of a difference. Hmm. Yeah. Why didn't Emma just give him a few bucks so he can buy lunch at school or something? Yeah, I don't know. August shows up at Mr. Gold's shop and Marco is there. Mr. Gold gives him an antique clock to repair. Marco says good day to August on the way out, but August seems uncomfortable by meeting Marco. Mr. Gold asks why, if he is dying, does he seem more scared to say hello to his father? August doesn't want to talk about it. August wants help with Emma, as he cannot get her to believe in magic while she is preoccupied with the custody battle. Mr. Gold wonders if he can trust August, considering his true nature, but agrees to nudge Emma in his direction. And I love this scene because Gold figured out who August really was all on his own. And oh, but like of course that. he did. I yeah. mean, it's who he is, right? Yeah, I also like the thing that when Mr. Gold is like, trust is a big ass, ask for a Pinocchio. Yeah. I, I just find it amazing because obviously Pinocchio was a child when he left the Enchanted Forest ever when the dark curse hit, I should say. And August is a grown man, as we have established a very young man in his thirties, you know, you're very vital and everything still when you're in your thirties, you're totally not old. Um, but gold just figured out who he was all on his own. Oh, I, but you I, know, I just he knows it. who went yeah. with Emma through the tree. So of course he's like, true. Got it. Of <laughs> like... course. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't put that together. But in the Enchanted Forest, Pinocchio is working on a clock, the same one that Mr. Gold gave to Marco in Storybrook. Geppetto shows him how to do it and praises him when he gets it to work. Suddenly, Jiminy, who Pinocchio had tied up and trapped in the clock, pops out dizzy and disoriented. Geppetto accuses Pinocchio of not being good, but Jiminy says it was just for fun. The Blue Fairy shows up and Pinocchio is worried that it is to punish him but she brings the news of the curse and asks for Geppetto's help. She tells him of the curse that the evil queen is going to set loose and how Snow White's child can save them all, but she will need to be protected from the curse herself. There is an enchanted tree like the one Pinocchio was fashioned from. Geppetto must carve a wardrobe from it. He agrees as he cannot bear to lose Pinocchio again. And for the scenes where the blue fairy interacted with Geppetto, 
Keegan Connor Tracy was present on the set while filming, saying her lines off screen. Makes sense. She did that in the last episode too with gold. So mm-hmm. yeah, in the behind the scenes, they have um, just this little blue ball that uh, is also lit up, but it's a blue ball that is on a stick that they guide to where the blue fairy is supposed to be flying and landing and everything. And, you know, you see a lot in behind the scene movies that they use tennis balls and stuff like that. I kind of like this one more because it is lit up because there's supposed to be light coming off of the blue fairy. So I I imagine that helps in the uh, post-production, like editing, so that you get the lighting right and everything. In Storybrooke, Emma is talking to Mr. Gold, and he tells her that he is not going to help her with the custody case. Regina is too powerful, Henry would suffer, and Mr. Gold does not fight battles that he thinks he will lose. Emma pleads with him that Henry cannot be left with a sociopath, but to no avail. Emma storms out and goes to see August in his room. She says that she is out of options and is willing to let him show her the big picture if it'll help her beat Regina. And my only note here is that the number on August's door is two. This is a sly nod to the film connected to August's identity, the second animated feature production by Disney, Pinocchio. Huh. Yeah. Oh, well, it makes sense. Hmm? Meanwhile, David Nolan is leaving work at the pet shelter and notices Regina is having car trouble. Man, that pet shelter and Regina, boy. Um, <laughs> I bet they'll do. Yeah. Um, the battery is dead and she has groceries in the car. So he offers her a ride home in his truck. When they get there, she suggests that he stay for supper as she is making lasagna for herself and Henry. However, Regina then picks up a blank piece of paper and claims it is a note from Henry telling her that he is having dinner and a session with Archie Hopper. Regina appears to be upset by the evidence of Henry avoiding her and David agrees to stay. Regina smiles. And in my notes I put here, so David just might end up volunteering at the animal shelter after all, huh? Maybe he will. Uh, I like the manipulation of her reading a blank note. Like, yeah. but Henry won't be home. Yeah, it's very similar to in True North when uh, uh, Mr. Gold reads the blank note about who yeah. he uh, sold the compass to. So back in the Enchanted Forest, the Blue Fairy takes them to a tree. She informs them that this is the last enchanted tree in the realm, and it has enough magic to save two people. Prince Charming and Snow White will be transferred to a land without magic, where their child will be born, and they will protect her until she is 28 and can break the curse. Geppetto worries and questions what will happen to his son, since he wasn't always a real boy. He asks if the curse will turn him back to wood, but she cannot answer his question. He agrees to build the wardrobe, but only if he can save Pinocchio as well as the pregnant Snow White. Jiminy and the Blue Fairy try to get Geppetto to change his mind. They say that he is being a bad example to Pinocchio and that the whole realm is in danger. Geppetto does not listen and instead gets upset at Jiminy, saying that he can never repay his debt for what he did to his parents. The Blue Fairy then asks what she will tell Snow White and Prince Charming, to which Geppetto says... She must tell them that the tree can only save one. In the Enchanted Forest, the War Council meeting is taking place. The Blue Fairy arrives with Geppetto and the Enchanted Tree. Geppetto agrees to build the wardrobe, and the Blue Fairy tells them the lie about the wardrobe only being able to protect one. 
she is seen looking guilty as she does this. And in my notes here, I have for this scene with the enchanted tree, a tree stump prop was used on location and then it was CGI'd into a leafy green tree during the post-production. Geppetto to Jiminy, his line of saying, help, help like you help my parents. And I was like, damn, Geppetto, you are harsh. I mean, he also says like, you will never repay your debt. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you are also being a very selfish man right now in what you are asking. Like, though I do, I do understand the like, but what will happen to Pinocchio like in this world without magic? Like I get that being a concern, but like also there's a lot going on yeah this is also the first episode in which red riding hood and jiminy cricket appear appear but their counterparts ruby and archie hopper do not and there was some reused footage for the scene of the war council with the massive tree being brought in is the same scene from pilot but it's interspersed with new shots filmed from a different angle yeah i didn't even really take notes for that scene Mm -hmm. because it was literally the same scene for the most part and we also find out that Rumpelstiltskin was telling the truth when he says fairies lie because the blue fairy lies here. Oh yeah, she mm-hmm. does in fact lie. And in the next scene, we have August on his motorcycle with Emma and he is taking her out of Storybrook to tell her his story. So Regina and David finish eating and he insists on cleaning up the dishes. David thanks her for the support that she has shown him while Mary Margaret was incarcerated. And she says that she has always felt a little responsible for him since she found him. He asks her to tell him the story and she tells him that she was working late, forgot her phone and was headed back to the office. He was on the side of the road, almost frozen to death. The doctor had told her that if she was 10 minutes later, he would have died. As David says, it was fate. Regina moves in to kiss him, but David backs away. David thanks her for dinner and leaves, and an upset Regina smashes her mirror by throwing an empty wine glass at it. So my notes here, I have David saying, best lasagna I've ever had, and Regina using food to get to David. And for our female audience members who are interested in in this, that generally does work, ladies. Can confirm, does work, have done. (laughs) And my other note says, no volunteering at the animal shelter then. And David saying the line, this is great like it is. So he just wants Regina to make him dinner, like nothing else. No, he just wants that lasagna because he's Garfield's best (laughs) lasagna ever. And he hates Mondays. Um, And he hates Mondays. Yeah. We move back to the Enchanted Forest and Snow White is giving birth while Prince Charming holds her. The evil queen rides her carriage to the castle just ahead of the curse, which is spreading behind her. The blue fairy goes to Geppetto and tells him that Snow White is in labor and for the safety of the realm and the child, she must travel with the baby to the land without magic. The savior will need protection and guidance to fulfill her destiny. She tells Geppetto that Pinocchio cannot go but that one day the savior might restore what they have lost. She tells Geppetto that he must tell Snow White as she has to go to prepare for the curse with the other fairies. Geppetto decides not to save Snow White and still wants Pinocchio to go into the wardrobe. Pinocchio and Jiminy question the decision, 
But Geppetto says that sometimes you have to lie to protect those you love. Geppetto tells Pinocchio that it'll be his job to look out for the child and that he will be responsible for her. He must guide her to her destiny and make her believe by her 28th birthday. Jiminy tells him to beware of temptations and that as long as he is brave, true, and unselfish, he will not fail. Pinocchio promises to do all this. Geppetto gives him his hat and he goes into the wardrobe and disappears. And I wrote down Geppetto threw all this responsibility onto a seven-year-old child. Very irresponsible. Oh, a hundred percent. Also, how did they know that when they used this wardrobe, it was going to go to the land without magic? Mm. How, how did they confirm that's where, how do you know if they put two separate people in it that they would go to the same place even? Like, yeah. What, what confirmation do they have that this works this way? Because I ain't seeing any. I ain't getting an explanation at any point about how the magic tree works. Just that the blue fairy said it. So nah, that's, that's all that they have. Yeah, I don't have any other answer, but you're right. So August and Emma arrive at a lobster house diner. Emma is upset as to what reason he has for bringing her there. August shows Emma a newspaper article. It is the place she was brought to when she was found as a baby. August says that it is the place where both of their stories began. He soon reveals to her that he was the seven-year-old boy who found her. And there was a production note saying that the diner Emma was brought to as a baby is called Chanty's Lobster House. Also, I just want to say, because the book makes it a point to note here that this particular location is on the outskirts of Boston. Hmm. Interesting, because that's pretty far from where, I th- was it four hours away? From I would Story assume book? so. Yeah. I don't really know, but I'm like, that seems like, like quite a drive for them to all end up in Maine and not like closer to Boston. Hmm. A tree in the forest suddenly explodes and Pinocchio crawls out of it. He sees a plane fly by and is so terrified he tries to re-enter the tree, but the magic prevents him from entering, and he is flung back into this world. Then, while lying dazed on the forest floor, he remembers his life with Geppetto and that he has to protect Emma at all cost. He gets up and attempts to leave when another magic wave spreads around the forest and Emma appears in the tree crying. He takes her from the tree and carries her away. And I just have a note here that the airplane Pinocchio is startled by as it flies overhead has an Oceana Airlines logo on it. And that is yet another lost reference. There are so many. Yeah. Never ending. No. August and Emma are walking in the woods and he shows her the tree she was found in. He expects that this will help her believe. Emma says that he is lying because she was found by the side of the road. She walks away, and August reveals that he knows about the blanket she was found wrapped up in, which was never in in the newspaper story. Intrigued, she turns back to listen to what he has to say. He says that he is Pinocchio, which helps her realize that he put the story in Henry's book. She refuses to believe him and runs away. When he chases after her, he falls down in pain, saying he's failed. She asks him what's wrong, and he tells her he is sick but Emma thinks he is more mentally sick than anything. August tells Emma that he was halfway around the world in Phuket when she decided to stay in Storybrooke. 
He even knows the exact time she decided to stay, 8.15 p.m., because it also seems to have started making him sick, as he had been meant to stay with her and make her believe, and he shows her his wooden leg as undeniable proof that he is Pinocchio. To Emma, though, it just appears to be a normal leg. August accuses her of having so much denial that it is clouding her from seeing the truth in front of her own eyes. The two begin to argue. August tells Emma that she doesn't want to believe, and Emma says that he is losing it. Emma gets up and asks why it is so important to him anyway. He tells her, you're our only hope, to which Emma replies, then you're all screwed. She cannot save them. She is no savior, and she doesn't want to have the responsibility for everyone else's happiness. She has to focus on getting custody of Henry. She walks away, leaving August devastated. And my only note here is August saying, this is the end to the Pinocchio story in Henry's book. We are writing it now. And Emma says, how does it end? And August says, with you believing. So I have two thoughts here. Uh, One is in the book, he makes her touch the tree, like Hmm. specifically because he's like, you need to touch it because he thinks that'll like zap her or something. And he's very disappointed that her touching the tree doesn't make her instantly remember exactly what happened and that it's all true. Yeah. Which, it, why would it? She was a baby. You don't have memories from when you're a baby, generally. Well, in a future episode, she does touch something and she does get memories from that time period. Yeah. But and then, I'm sorry. Uh, then it's fascinating here because usually with this kind of like thing, it's like, so when you believe too much is when it blinds you because you have too much faith and too much belief. But what we're seeing right now is Emma having the exact opposite of she, her non-believing, her non-belief in what is possible is blinding her mm-hmm. more so than anybody else at this point. Yeah, you're right. Because it, do, it does cut both ways that, you know, believing in a cause, no matter what, can blind you to the truth and not believing at all can also blind you to like it. Like she's staunchly realist in everything she's doing here that she can't see that maybe just possibly there's some truth, despite, you know, the book having characters that look similar to her friends, despite everything that's going on. And here we have another person being like, the curse is real. Yeah, <laughs> like, another grown adult. Another grown it, yeah. adult who, yes, has talked to Henry a bunch, but like August, otherwise he was pretty head normal. on shoulders, normal. Yeah, yeah. there's a note. I'll, I'll just bring it up now. In the commentary for episode 22, uh, Jennifer Morrison said something that I found interesting. She said the character of Emma is 100% motivated by what she wants in the moment right then and there. Like nothing else matters than what she wants, right? And I, I found that interesting. I was like, yeah, that does really explain a lot of her actions. Like, because all she wants right now is Henry. So like the fact that all of August is doing all this, she's not she's not even paying attention to him. Like she's, she just is solely focused on getting Henry. Yeah, that's fairly accurate. Yeah. So Pinocchio is standing in a nursery looking at Emma. He stops her from crying by making funny faces. Their foster father walks in and gets upset with him for touching his tools. Pinocchio had been trying to fix the crib, but the man says that nothing belongs to him and he should leave things alone. An older boy walks in with a bunch of money that he has stolen and says that he can buy bus tickets for them to leave their foster home for good. 
Pinocchio asks if Emma can come because he promised his father he would look after her. The boy tells him that he cannot take care of, the ba- of a baby. They are about to leave when Pinocchio tells them to wait. He tells Emma he is sorry, kisses her goodbye, and leaves with the others. Thus, Pinocchio gave into temptation, deserted Emma, broke his promise to his father, and began to travel the world. I mean, I don't really blame him, given the foster system, but... Yeah, especially how awful the foster father was. Oh, yeah, just for, like, touching tools and, like, fixing the crib. Like, I'd be like, cool, kid, you can help me out now around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Cha-ching, cha-ching. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm right. surprised not. Like, Yeah. In the next scene, August goes to see Marco while he is fixing a clock. He struggles with the clock before August tells him how to fix it. Marco asks who taught him how to fix clocks. August replies that it was his father. They discuss his father, and August says that his father would be disappointed in him because he had failed to keep his promise. Marco says that if he had a son realizing his mistakes and trying to fix them would be enough for him. August asks if he could be Marco's unpaid assistant and Marco welcomes him in. And I just wrote, why do father-son scenes always hit the hardest in movies and TV shows? Because they're always, like, this is like, August has now given up and he just wants to spend time with Marco because Marco is never going to know that who he is. And yeah, this is just how it's going to be. Yeah, he's he thinks he's, he believes he's dying and he just wants to spend time with his father before he does, even though his father doesn't know him. Yeah. It, it, it's a very hard hitting scene. We cut to Henry who is lying in bed when Emma calls him. She says that she needs him to come downstairs in her car. Emma asks if he wants to get away from Regina and come live with her. Henry replies that he would love that more than anything. She replies good and tells him to buckle up when he asks for the reason, she tells him that they are leaving Storybrooke. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. I have a great about something. Yeah. The walkie-talkies. Mm-hmm. To be clear, whenever they're calling one another, they're calling each other in walkie-talkies in every scene that Henry and Emma are, like, calling one another. Right. Walkie-talkies that are, like, older than sin at this point. Like, they are not, like, modern walkie-talkies. Like, they don't have rechargeable batteries. And if they do, they're those giant rechargeable battery packs Mm -hmm. that are on, like, RC cars. They're not, like, cute little rechargeable batteries. They have these things on all day, every day. How do they work? How are they ever, like, continuously working? Because, you know, at first it's like, okay, maybe they turn it off at night. But Emily literally just calls him during the night. So these things are on 24-7. I don't even see them attached. And they are in Emma's car. They're at the sheriff's station. They are everywhere. These things are being charged. These things don't have freaking batteries. Like, either these are very expensive batteries that are going in these things constantly because, like, you would need to replace batteries like three or four times a day if you had them on 24-7 like that. Walkie-talkies are meant to be used for like an hour. Yeah. Well, uh, they were Graham's walkie-talkies. So maybe they were some sort of, you know, police-grade that normal people don't have access to. Uh, even if they were, I yeah, refuse they would to still, believe yeah, no. they would still need to go on chargers. And then I would assume the chargers would be at the police station and Henry's right. not there nearly enough yeah. for those things to continue working. And it's also too, I was watching a deleted scene from when, I forget the episode title, but when David wakes up from his coma and walks out into the woods. And yeah. I'm re- this is the only deleted scene that I'm glad stayed a deleted scene. 
because Graham gets on his walkie-talkie and says, I need all available units with me to comb the woods. And I was like, Graham, you're the only sheriff. Like, you're, you're the only person. Graham, that, you're like, the only person that works yeah. this like you station. Want, yeah, you want Emma to be your deputy. There's no one else. Like, who are these available units that you're calling on the walkie-talkie? Are we, they like three or four towns over? Y'all yeah, got walkie-talkies? Walkie-talkies don't, that's the other thing too. Walkie-talkies don't work like long, long distance. You know, like right. if you're at, I know when I was a kid, we used to use them at like theme parks and like one side of the theme park or another, like that's fine. That's like a couple miles tops. Yeah. These things are not working like 50 miles apart, like in yeah. the middle of the woods. Yeah. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I imagine that they have, like, I was more so thinking about like, could other people be listening in? But I imagine- Oh, since that's they, a whole other separate issue. Like- well, Since they are sheriff uh, station, well, at least they were Graham's walkie-talkies, seemingly they would have their own private signal that like regular walkie-talkies couldn't pick up on. I mean, it depends. I've used a lot of walkie-talkies in my life, and most of it's like, you have these, like, 12 settings you can choose from, and we need you on these specific ones. Like, there's not a lot of options within, like, certain radiuses. Yeah. I don't know. These are little details that bug us upon rewatching the show again and again, but, you know, it goes over your head the first time you're watching it, Not or at least me. It went over my head the first time. Oh, I'm sure it did the first time, too. Yeah. But if you could take any piece of pop culture and once you start pulling it apart like that, that's, you know, or almost, I can't think of, uh, I can think of one piece of pop culture that's pretty perfect, if not absolutely perfect, but uh, we won't get into it. The the Godfather is what I'm thinking Uh, of. Yeah. Um, But I, I have to consider Godfather part three and all the flaws in that. And it's not perfect. No. Yeah. I don't know. my my whole gripe with this is like emma what do you think kidnapping this child is gonna do like like you you've been on the run before we don't know this right now as an audience member but like eventually you're gonna get caught or henry's gonna get caught like i don't know especially because she has a child like that's gonna be like looking for a yellow really old yellow beetle Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah we'll be traveling with a eight ten year old boy like yeah please so blonde woman in a red leather jacket yeah either lead lead red leather brown leather or blue leather jacket depends Um, on her mood yeah but yeah so i that's all i have about this episode anything else you'd like to say i'm good all right that concludes this week's episode of the once again podcast thank you for joining us Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to either our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at onceagainpod. If you're feeling generous and would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. Also, a like and a share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day.